If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Bro, we got to give the people what they want, man. They've, What's we've that? Been, we, we've been getting requests to discuss this uh, this topic. As yeah, court case. Yeah. The, the the hug. The forgiveness. The hug. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. This is yeah. No, man. It's uh, been a controversial topic, uh, but I think. I think it's good. I think I think that this is a good discussion because um, there's there's a lot of uh, gospel implications, a lot of economic implications, a lot of political implications that come from it. So it's it's, it's going to be a really good, um, really good show. Okay, so for the listener to prep you for what we're about to walk into, we're going to talk about the ninth commandment: not bearing false witness against your neighbor. Judicial looking at it from the case from a judicial aspect, a racial aspect, and a theological aspect. So the ninth uh, commandment issue or the ninth commandment policy that Joel and I uh, adopted in season three is basically is based off of an article that Tim Challies did called The Duties Required by the Ninth Commandment in the Social Media World. And so basically we're going to be name dropping a couple people and we don't want you guys to think that we're being too heavy-handed, um, and that we want to be gracious, especially dealing with um, our brothers in the faith, and not just our brothers in the faith, but even unbelievers. We want to make sure that we're treating everybody fairly and not misrepresenting anybody, strawmanning anybody's position. Right, Joel? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, technically there's two articles by Tim Challenge. There's a second one, the follow-up. It's called The Sins Forbidden by the Ninth Commandment in the social media world. But um, So I'll have both of those in the show notes page. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's... I think, you know, the idea of steel manning, I think, really encompasses the goal uh, that we try to do. But also, really, what, what he's talking about in that, you know, we want to be, as you say, we want to deal with other people's perspectives graciously. Um, you know, if we're going to challenge them or question them, there's, I think we, we, we're going to try and do our best to to do that even-handedly. Um, you know, we can raise concern uh, without, you know... Sh- straw manning or or misrepresenting what the other person has presented for for those of you um yeah who didn't hear it play the testimony of um brand uh brand jean or jean i'm not too sure um it's the the deceased both them uh his younger brother um basically his statement of forgiveness um yes. towards uh, Amber Geiger. So we'll we'll play that um, right now, and and I think that'll really yeah, contextualize everything. Yeah, that we're we're getting into. Okay, good. I can speak for myself. I I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you. 
as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Okay, so now we're looking at, so that was the one aspect. And part of the argument that was going on was everybody was excited about uh, this brother's um, offer of forgiveness. But then there was the other aspect where the mother um, was also giving her perspective on the case and also giving her own plea of that there was some injustices in the and the case was being mishandled so there was some injustices and and some commentators some people were saying that that the forgiveness was being championed more than the justice so we're going to we're going to quickly look at the tampering issues so what so what were some of the issues you saw Joel um in, in uh, the article the article oh by the way the article is by CBC news and it says mother of man slain by cop says son's hug should not be misconstrued as complete forgiveness. Yeah, you know, for me, I like I look at um, I think another article summarizes it better for me. And that's the there's an article from the Libertarian Institute. Um, and the, the headline is uh, Amber Geiger trial showcases a special class of citizen. Um, and, and I mean, I think it lays it out in a pretty good manner that just, um, there's some peculiarities in, and I'll get into them, I guess a little bit, um, in how Amber is treated, um, when you would contrast how a regular, um, defendant slash convicted, uh, killer is treated. Um, you know, so there's a couple things from the judge. Um, that, that this article points out first off being that the um, and I'll just read this uh, sentence here in the trial of Amber Geiger Judge Tammy Kemp made the invocation of Castle Doctrine available for Geiger to use in her defense um, the Castle Doctrine is about defending your own home and and in this case she might have thought she was in her own home uh, but she wasn't and so really the Castle Doctrine doesn't apply at all um, so it's just peculiar, not only that that is brought up, but more so that it's brought up by the judge, um, because you know the judge is there to mediate the proceedings, not so much raise a defense. Uh, and similarly, in when it came time for sentencing, the judge brought up this uh, sudden passion as a legal defense, which essentially um, describe yeah, essentially diminishes the act when you're emotionally distraught. Um, which would lower the level of sentencing. Um, and then um, I guess the other thing this article brings up, and, and not to say this totally, uh, I think I don't think this is a fair, total fair representation, um, but the article references a, you know, the, the sentencing with Geiger and contrast, okay, so she received 10 years, and, and it makes a contrast to a man in 2016 who shot and killed a police dog, but was given 45 years. Um, now, obviously, these are different states, and there's multiple variables. And it's a different case. And, and it's I, a totally yeah, different case, different right? Case. But and but the idea of, like, somebody killed a police dog and got 45 years, she killed a man and got 10. Um, and so I think, again, just looking at a little bit of the you know proceedings and the way things are to me it raises this idea of and i would say this is generally my default with my libertarian leanings and position is you know that that police are treated as a special class of citizen uh in contrast to the rest of us and and i think this article does a pretty decent job of laying that out there uh that just it, even from the perspective of raising questions um that that hey this shouldn't really be going on, but it is. And and I mean, this article is obviously going to lay it to the fact that we're we're talking about a monopoly, uh, and competition would be 
a helpful way to resolve this. But I think for most people, that's a that's a whole different rabbit hole of a conversation that maybe they might take a long time to wrap their head around how that would even be feasible. Um, so uh, for you, though, going back to the CBC article, you know, what, what are your what did you take away from that that you thought that was really good for the listener? I thought that she the mother was asked about did she believe she received justice and she believed she did receive justice based on the verdict and although her pleas for there was injustices with the case those were still just allegations and i think that we don't want to jump the gun and say okay well automatically assume because it's police or the blue curtain that there's automatically corruption going on because then that's you know to be proven guilty before um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Trial. And just to correct, I, I I kept saying CBC. It was CBS. CB, News. CBS News. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but it was interesting. So she was pointing out the corruption within the force, and that some things need to change. And they are going to make some changes. They are going to uh, you know retrain review. the police on yeah review on how they uh, procedures on you know dangerous situations. But also I what what I thought was unique was that uh, the Dallas police chief Renee Hall is a black woman, and I was like oh. So the black woman's in charge and there's still corruption going on. So I was just like, oh, okay, that's, that, that was kind of weird. I didn't expect that. So um, she said that um, there will be an internal investigation into the issues revealed during the trial, including allegations of tampering with evidence and protecting Geiger. So she's going to look into it. But again, I, I didn't want to jump the gun and say, okay, well, there's corruption because it was just allegations. Nothing has been proven yet. So I didn't really want to jump the gun in that aspect. But then in the other, on the flip side of, dealing with the judicial issue we looked at uh the jury and the jury just came out uh, today uh today being uh october 7th and they were giving their commentary on how they came to the conclusion on on the verdict so the makeup of the jury was eight women four men and they were all it was a multicultural um Jury. jury and basically the the, one of the main arguments, and we're going to put a link to the show notes. One of the guys was That's saying... That's an ABC News uh, article that has a, a good video. Yeah, yeah. So it was a white guy and a black woman giving their commentary. And basically, the issue was, what would both of them want? And I was like, oh, I never I never thought about it that way. Because sometimes we just think that... Um, and that, know, that was in regards to the sentencing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 the, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, say that again? Not, not so much in regards to whether they were guilty or... Uh, but so, but the how long yes, was yeah. the sentence? How long would the sentence so be? The, so they were given the option of like, well, I think they said five to life. Yes, and they had to choose where, mm-hmm. where do they fall? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, what I, what I took away from that that I thought was interesting was that the jury had a lot of tears. Um, yes, in the in, while they were deliberating, but, the, the and, time, and, but that the was but that was before um, that was before uh, Brandt gave his um, offer of forgiveness. So so there were it was already uh, an emotional scene, and what one of the guys were, was wrestling with was they were hearing testimony about Brandt and what kind of guy he was, and him being mm-hmm. a Christian, people kept coming and saying, "Yo, he's he's like the nicest guy, he's a gracious guy," and some I think his father said like, "Yo, if if." You know, if he were to able, if he was able to talk down Amber when she came in his house with the gun pointed at him, he would say, hey, you know, you can have some ice cream and, you know, sit here and watch the game with me. That's the kind of guy he would be. He wouldn't be like, yo, get the F out of my my apartment, you know, but he would have been like, yo, come get a bowl of ice cream and sit with me. So so they were kind of the I guess the jury was kind of getting a full scope of this person and his faith. And, and they felt like, OK, well, what would Brand want? Um, what kind of person would would he how would he respond to that? And that's why um, they came to a ten year um, uh, term as opposed to life. Because like yeah, they had life, but then even emotionally they were kind of wrestling with like, yo, I, can I send somebody away for life? Like, like that's heavy. And and is this what he would want? Mm-hmm. Is this what he would want? So I, I thought I thought I, like because sometimes you know you think about you know like oh they handed out ten cent you know a ten year sentence like oh probably some white guy up top who you know because sometimes we, we you know there's like this not and again I, I don't want i want to speak in a gracious way but sometimes like there's this big white boogeyman we call the man right whereas this white guy who hates black people who you know makes the you know who says okay 
it's going to be 10 years just arbitrarily. But some, but I forgot. I was like, wait, there's a, there's a jury and it's mostly women and there's a woman on trial and, and it's multicultural and the judge is black. And, and so you, you mean so, the, uh, was the judge black? Yeah. She was black. It was a black oh, woman. Okay. Right. So, so, so th- when these aspects start coming in, you're like, okay, but they came to the, and they came to a unanimous decision on what the case was. And most of them believed it was an accident. And, you know, based on my work, you know, when I saw it, per se, my, I didn't really, I didn't really you think it was th- an accident, but, uh, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But, but, um, I mean, it, we weren't, we weren't in the court. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We time, weren't there. But, yeah. Yeah. We weren't there looking at it, but, but I thought it was very unique to look at from the jury's perspective when it was a multicultural, um, group and they did it together as opposed to, um, some big white boogeyman sitting up top arbitrarily handling handing these sentences down so i thought that was a, a, a unique perspective uh, to take now the the other aspect i wanted to get into joel with you which i always love getting into with you is <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> i'm just kidding racial getting into the racial issues and, and and dealing with race so so let's start with uh the comments made by bishop talbert swan Right, so Bishop Talbot Swan made this comment about um, the case, and so there's these three pictures of Brand, the judge, and an officer um, showing uh, showing uh, gentleness towards Amber. So you have Brand hugging the woman, you have the judge giving the woman um, giving Amber. Uh, the the bible hugging her and then you had um another officer um kind of like stroking amber's hair and then he put post traumatic slave syndrome on his tweet over this over these three pictures and that'll be in the show notes so post traumatic slave syndrome um, right and actually no sorry and also uh jamar tisby also talked about racial trauma in his article as well that he wrote for um, the Washington Post. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, that, that term is a little bit interesting because I think it's, what you, what was it again? Post post-traumatic slave syndrome. So, yeah, so like so so also another term would be like a uh, racial trauma. So I I guess what what um what's a Bishop Don Juan, Magic Don Juan? Sorry, what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a pimp. Never mind. Um oh. <laughs> Sorry. So so basically he was just saying like, okay, yeah, like you're 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 clearly um brainwashed by the white man for you guys to be able to show this woman this criminal this oppressor this kind of gentleness right yeah i mean that's a oh man that's such a i mean i I almost want to say i want to come back to that you know the christian side of it yeah okay yeah well we'll Uh, get there because because at first i want to deal like this idea of like racial trauma um, well, I've suffered. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I've suffered it. Well, and I, I guess, and I wasn't necessarily dismissing it because I just think of like, you know, a simple example is like someone who's been subject to, um, you know, let's say juicy smouillé. If you were actually juicy smouillé, and in, in the sense of you know, a white person beating up a black person and thro- throwing racial epithets at the time. Okay racial trauma right like you know somebody who clearly hated you for your race acted upon it right whether it doesn't have to be to the level of a beating but but you know let's call it a traumatic event whether that's verbal abuse whatever whatever right like just constant sort of mm-hmm. giving you the growl so mm-hmm. you're constantly feeling like this person who hates me is I, you know you have to see them and experience them to the point where you'd almost call it harassment so yeah. Yeah. I think that does exist. And I think that cl- racial trauma is probably the proper classification of it. Is it, you know, rampant in society? I'd be shocked because, um, you know, you just, at least in Canada, it's, it's relatively minimal. What, what is uh, just, um, 
racial harassment. Right? So well, to I the point I, of where, I, like, no, I would say ahead. explicit anyways. Right? Yeah. No, but, but I think I think to nuance it, like, I think I think racial trauma is prevalent. I think post-traumatic slave tr- syndrome is a real thing. Like, some people probably laughing, like, yeah, what are you talking about, bro? But, like... And people are like, well, okay, well, you know, you're not a descendant of us, you know, you're not, you didn't experience slavery, Slave. so why, so what's your yeah. problem, bro? But I think that, like, I remember as a little boy watching slave movies and watching black people being beaten and humiliated and raped, and uh, that scene from the movie uh, Amistad, where the you know they had to lighten the load on the ship. And so they brought some of the, the slaves up onto the deck and threw them overboard. And they were all chained together. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, one person went over, then everybody just slowly, you know, everybody just were getting dragged over the deck and into the water. And then what the camera view that they used was at the bottom of the sea. And then you saw the slaves one by one, you know, being dragged to the bottom of the ocean and they drowned. That's traumatic, yeah. and that and and that's what well, I'm saying. Well, and and you know, to to take a level like if I'm assuming for you, there's an aspect of you watching that and making it personal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. And and, and these are things that are that are traumatic. Um, being you know going to a restaurant with my friends and then being escorted out because the waitress said, I you know, made a gesture at her. And so we were, you know, the, you know, we were the only black guys. We were told to leave, even though we didn't do anything. We made her feel uncomfortable. That was embarrassing. You know what I mean? So, so these are the experiences you have, whether you're among, you know, your peers, even among black people, we kind of, you know, inflict that racial trauma, whether, you know, a, you know, a black girl's hair is not acceptable. Um, we, you know, we, we make up nicknames, you know, guys so dark, you know, we have a friend we call him Midnight or we call next dude Oil Spill. You know what I mean? So 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 these are these are things that, that are, are traumatic experiences um for some black people. And I say all that well, to say. Yeah, go ahead. Just to I'm assuming that what the last couple examples when you're talking about nicknames, mm-hmm. that's like internal. Yeah, but yeah, but to yeah. the black community. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's internal. And and it's one of those things where um the point is that the racial trauma makes people uh it's almost, dare I say, it's almost a mental health issue where they can't like watch uh, or they can't deal with, with racial issues because it's very traumatic for them. That, that to the point where they're getting anxiety, uh, panic attacks, uh, don't, don't want to engage in these uh, discussions or watch these things. And, and what makes it worse, what makes this, this trauma worse is, you know, your newsfeed. If you're following, if, if you're constantly posting stuff with black people getting beat up, black people being ripped off, and all these injustices, yeah, it's it's going it's going to it's going to mess with your mind and cause you to well, have racial especially, trauma. You know, if these things are happening at a, let's say they're just overrepresented in your newsfeed. Yeah, like if you're following, you know, certain people who peddle a lot of okay, look, there's an injustice here, there's an injustice there, there's an injustice here, there's an injustice here, there's an injustice here. Like for me personally, I know there's injustice. I know there's racism. I know things ain't working out for some people. I understand that. I don't need to watch more of it to to prove to prove to myself or prove to you, Joel. Like like even though you know, not even just you. I don't want to say just you, but even there are just people who might not agree. I don't need to or are ignorant. Yeah, or ignorant. I I don't I don't need to convince anybody that it's real or it's not real. Like that's I don't I don't need to be looking for the next black guy who got shot or the black guy who got who got let go from his job or 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 the black guy who went to jail because the dog like I know that stuff is right. I know that stuff happens, but let's keep it moving. Let's find other ways to do things rather than taking in the the constant negativity. So if you, if you have any of that in your news feed or if you're that person who's always constantly saying, "Hey, look, Look, look at this black guy get his head kicked in by a bunch of white people. Look at the, watch the video, D. Come, look at the video, D. This guy's getting, look at the black guy get stabbed by a ton of white people. Isn't this terrible? Come on, man. Like, yeah, come on, man. This is not helpful right now. It's traumatic. You see what I'm saying? You know, and I think, you know, the question then goes to 
for the person who would say, yes, I have racial trauma. Well, and I was going to say, what would you, if it was, drop the word racial uh-huh. and say that you have trauma in your life that is um, re- resurfacing, you know, in terms of it's influencing your behavior, how would you normally deal with that? Oh, yeah. Well, anybody who's had trauma, yeah, you need to go see a, a therapist um, and you need to, like, stop engaging in the things that are, that are causing the drama or, or the trauma, sorry, the trauma, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, unfollowing certain people. Um, and not entertaining and yeah, and, and just kind of withdrawing or even um, slowly introduce well, and, yourself to more difficult yeah. content. Uh, I was going to say normally through therapy or, or you know, uh, a therapist, they would do, you know, sort of like incremental, you know, exposure mm-hmm. to these things to make, you know, a, let's say just a, like being exposed to an issue like this court case that has racial implications to be able to you know the goal would be able to be able to read the case and evaluate it objectively without getting you know without your trauma being resurfaced Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because if your trauma is being resurfaced i would presume you're going to have a hard time evaluating it objectively yeah so i don't i don't think you need black forgiveness there's no such thing as black forgiveness to restore somebody who has racial trauma or post-traumatic slave syndrome, nor is 40 acres and a mule going to heal a person, restore them. I suffered from racial trauma and post-traumatic slave syndrome by watching all those movies and, and, you know, having people in my ear telling me, you know, to hate white people. But by the gospel, my heart was changed and now I no longer have hostility towards white people. If, if you do um, suffer from post-traumatic slave syndrome or racial trauma and everything for you is about in, the injustice and trauma that black people are receiving and, and it's in, like, I'm not saying don't help. I'm not saying don't help fix the situation, but if, if it's causing you anxiety or depression, then maybe you should lay off of it and, and kind of move towards a little something a little more positive. But with that said, I would also like to nuance um, that a lot of the stuff that comes into our news feed has a purpose and and has uh, intentions behind it. And I found an interesting article that was called uh, Black Forgiveness, A Culture Undermines ADOS Case for Reparations. Again, it's Black Forgiveness, Culture Undermines ADOS Case for Reparations. ADOS stands for American descendants of slaves. And so basically, uh, the article, if I could summarize it quickly, is that uh, the current ADOS mindset uh, thinks that people on Twitter talking behind computers are the biggest barrier on the road towards reparations. I always knew who were the real uh, detriment and problem that will try to inhibit American descendants of slavery from getting truly repaired and restored based on Martin Luther King's unfinished mission to create an equal society for all. The roadblock to reparations would not come from washed-up joke rappers like Talib, friend Talib Kweli, not dusty panelist members like Ronald um, Roland Martin, but the for but the forgiveness culture ingrained in the black community with programming roots dating back to slavery itself so this is the roadblock forgiveness culture to reparations and this is what the commentary was when they saw uh, brand offer the forgiveness to amber geiger yeah and i think you know, when I saw the negative response to the forgiveness, especially coming from Christians, I found it very concerning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 well. There you go, because you had the reparations, but then you had the forgiveness, and those two ideas. Now, if the listeners are listening, maybe I'm wrong, but those might be diametrically opposed to each other. That well, and, and it sounds like that exist. article, that article. Um, you know, definitely takes that position, mm-hmm. right? That the the ADOS case for reparations 
that uh, Christianity hurts it. The gospel hurts the case for reparations. Yeah, I mean, or in essence, forgiveness hurts it, and Christianity is Christianity is a you know is a a paradigm or a worldview that is fundamentally based on forgiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So then, you know, now we're talking about you know Christianity and forgiveness, moving into the theological. Um, so, so, so track with me here. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. But don't lose your grip. All right. We're gonna look at justice, and we're gonna look at mercy. So, uh, because the argument that that Christians are arguing over is the gospel is being distorted with an overemphasis on forgiveness. Okay, so we're gonna look at we're gonna talk about justice, and then uh, we're gonna talk about mercy. So, so so what's your take on on the justice aspect of it? I mean, I think that. I don't I don't think it's a fair representation of um like the the idea that somehow forgiveness actually hinders justice um I think that can only happen if people are not like if if somebody is taking the idea of biblical ju- uh, forgiveness and exploiting it to to and and use it in a manner that is um, unbiblical um, or or even just outside of what it actually is um, mm-hmm. in order to diminish the concept of justice, right? Because, um, I mean, how we're called to act with respect to other people is inherently about justice but forgiveness is also you know is actually more of a a vertical thing than a horizontal thing mm-hmm. right it's it's more about you and god than it is about you and that person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's interesting, but it's interesting you, you pointed that out because the first thing I think, like, you know, everybody, you know, okay, again, I got to use the terminology. Okay, so we got team woke, team spoke, right? Team woke are those who are pro-social justice. Team spoke are those who are saying, look, man, the scripture says this, God spoke this, so we're only going this far. Per- pushing for justice in regards to what what Amber's case was, right? Would it mm-hmm. be just, biblically just, right? Because the penalty for taking a life is that you pay with it for, with your life. Um, so wouldn't it be biblical to go with the death penalty and say, well, you know what? Technically, we should have her killed. We should just have her um, well, I mean, take the death penalty and that would be a biblical form of justice. I mean, I think that's a deeper question around, you know, do we take the law as it was described? Because, I mean, you know, there's an aspect of historical commentary slash prescriptive nature to the text that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Well, what, well, what's the principle? What's the principle of well, what, um, I, what I'm of, of, of the of the death penalty? Well, I mean, it's that there's paying a price for the actions that you incur, you know, that you, you know, that you uh, committed to somebody else. And in this, you know, you know, and it's a life for a life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But, you know, you, you, the, the predicament would be. Or, or I guess what I was trying to get at was, you know, you could argue that what you see in the Bible around law, there's an there's an argument to be had that the law should reflect that, but it currently doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm only saying that. I'm only saying that because you know, if we're gonna as Christians, uh, we got to be you know 
both sides, both Team Woke and Team Spoke, you know, believe that they're holding to the scripture and they want to glorify God in that. And that that is a biblical principle. Like, okay, well, if we're trying to be, do it the right way and, and be just, the just penalty for life is, is that you would lose your life. But of course, well, you know, of course I no mean, one's going to go that far. Of course no one's going to go that far. The standard of evidence was different too, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you mean? Well, it's like on the testimony of two or three witnesses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you literally didn't see, if you don't have two or three people literally seeing it happen, mm-hmm. you know, um, right now what? Yeah, right. And, and and I was just kind of pointing that out. Of course, no one's going to go that far. But, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, well, what what, what does justice look like? Because we're always throwing around, okay, justice, this, justice, this, justice, this. Well, well, especially as Christians, you know, we have a different paradigm in which we interpret our reality. Another aspect I wanted to look at in regards to justice was, you know, the gospel. And, we're, and, and the article from Christianity Today uh, that was called Botham Jean's Brothers Offer of Forgiveness went viral. His mother's calls for justice should too by Dorina Williamson. And that article was plugged by, I found that link off of the TGC uh, site. And basically she's arguing for like, you know, we need to make sure that we're not overemphasizing justice over forgiveness. But I feel like, you know, of course, you know, people, you know, love a, a nice sob story. Nobody wants to, you know, see, you know, sad news. You know, everybody wants, you know, to get behind something that's heartwarming versus something that's just like, oh, not this again, you know? So I, I, thought, I thought it was an interesting article. And I would disagree with Dorina Williamson in that, you know, the gospel... The emphasis of the gospel is forgiveness and not justice. And I say that to say, um, like technically as Christians, we know if your theology is good, <laughs> you know you don't want justice, right? Because <laughs> right, you don't want justice because justice means you know you go to hell. We we don't we don't go before the Lord and say you know Lord be just to me. Well, okay, here you go, you know, and throw you into hell. Yeah. Right. So so what we don't what we want is mercy. We don't want justice. And I think uh, her take on, OK, well, we need to look at, at at the griminess of the cross and not just be all um, flowery with forgiveness. But, you know, we also got to be gritty with the justice. But I, I think I think that's a false understanding of what the gospel is. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's the the. You know, with regards the the gospel is that with regards to my sin, justice has been served through the cross. Mm-hmm. There's no call for me to to um, do things to create the justice, mm-hmm. or or you know so so. But there, like you know, you look at um, Colossians three thirteen. Essentially, we're called to forgive because we've been forgiven, mm-hmm. right? Which I would say is probably one of the simplest applications of the gospel. In that it's it's, and the only reason I say simple is because it's we're forgiven, therefore, so should we forgive. Um, and and I find it peculiar. I I would almost say it's a poor exegesis of the gospel to say that justice is diminished or that justice isn't looked at because it's, as you said, it's really the gospel is pointing to the fact that we receive mercy Mm -hmm. through the justice that was provided through Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, yes, like, yes, you know, Christ did go to the cross and it was a gruesome death, but justice was achieved. So when we're looking at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, uh, the atoning work, him reconciling man to God, and him paying our sin debt, propitiation, uh, the wrath of God, meaning the wrath of God being satisfied, and that the atonement is a definite atonement, which means uh, sin 
was actually paid for, justice was actually met, and that, oh gosh, the work of Jesus Christ is efficacious, meaning that it actually worked, it actually applied, justice was actually achieved. And so the implications, we see it reaching even into the courtroom. We see it reaching even um, to this present day and then into uh, the future, into the return of Christ, into the eschaton, where, 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 the, where, the, where the justice will be completed. So yes, um, for those who are in Christ, justice has been met, and that's why we can act graciously and, and forgive people. For those people who are not Christians and you have not been saved and you have not received that forgiveness, then you will, um, or as Shailen said, and yes, you can trust this. God will glorious, gloriously display his justice and you will receive, you know, that full justice you've been asking for. So we have to, you know, for our unbelieving friends, especially when we're discussing this, Joel, I think this is a good thing for Christians to uh, learn how to navigate this conversation and have it with unbelievers and ask like, okay, well, why are you against forgiveness? Have you, you know... Have, have you had to forgive somebody? Have, have you asked somebody for forgiveness? Have you been forgiven by God? Like these are all good questions to really like nuance um, uh, the gospel out of this situation. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a great point because, you know, I think it's really easy to, you know, quote other aspects of the Bible to bring up something like justice. But if you can't exegete, you know, the gospel and what the application of it is, or, you know, exegete the gospel is probably not the right term, but but in essence, even exegete the other passages, right? So, you know, in terms of, you know, a good a passage being Micah 6.8 with respect to, we're called to do justice, mm-hmm. to love kindness, to walk humbly, mm-hmm. um, you know, but... You know, I, I just look at the verse first part of that verse, and it says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To me, I'm just, I, I instantly go, okay, I know God defines good in a manner that nobody can actually achieve. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, on a ongoing basis, right? So, in essence, we all fall short, right? Mm-hmm. Romans three twenty three. Mm-hmm. We all fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that light, I'm looking at this, going, "Yeah, I'm called to do justice, but I know I'm going to fail at it." And so, at the same time, you know, you go to this idea of forgiveness, and and it's, you know, any sort. Like to me, I looked at this and I was like, you know, I I instantly was reminded of something probably like 10 years ago, maybe five to 10 years ago that I remember sharing on Facebook or something where it was like, you know, an old man forgiving his son's killer in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And like, I would say there's probably, at least I don't remember being any racially peace. So it was probably a white guy with a, you know, his white son was killed by a white guy. Right. Um, And, and just, you know, being, I, I instantaneously, when I saw this scenario, um, I was taken back to that and just being like, uh, you know, just so like full of joy for like the gospel being on display. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hearing this kind of like all this chatter about, you know, it's taking away to some extent from social justice and I'm just, or, or it, you know, be taking away from the gospel. Do, oh, I would say, I'm saying they're taking, the chatter is taking away from, from the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. depiction because their, their concern is that social justice is being diminished. Yeah. And that's why AD was so mad. In his yeah. Video. AD, yeah. He went, and, and I mean, I would Hold say, on, AD, what, who's, he, who's AD? AD Robles, uh, on Fight Laugh Feast Network. Um, well, I'll have the, the video. Yeah. But he, yeah, he, yeah, he was pretty heated. Uh, about well, I mean, Jamar Tisby's comments and and uh, Kyle Howard's comments. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, his video is definitely an emotional response to the, what they had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, he challenged whether they're believers, and I don't 
I would say, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I would say, you know, in the simplest light, and I'm not trying to necessarily say that. This hey, 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 ninth commandment, ninth commandment. Man. No, no, exactly. I would say it's e- like, cause he's challenging that they're unbelievers. And I would say I would, the ninth commandment for him, uh, app- application would to say, would be to say they're believers who are deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the reason I say that is because we're, you know, we're, we're all able to, to succumb to dece- to being deceived. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that we have anything, at least we don't, we don't, you know, one, we're not, we're never in a place to judge someone else's salvation. Um, unless, unless they're, unless they, they're talking heretical. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, but what I mean by that is like someone who's, you know, walking in the faith, but then there's aspects of, you know, they're saying, well, argue that, I mean, AD might've said that they were talking heretical in this context, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, they're not denying the fundamental tenets of what we follow with regards to, you know, what we call, I, I call them the closed fisted truths of, of the gospel. Um, but in general, when it comes to looking at someone's walk with God, you know, for the most part, I'm not in a place to judge it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to say, to look at another person who's claiming to be a believer um, and, and I'm concerned or I have challenged, you know, want to challenge some of their beliefs, I think the way that you would deal with them in light of, you know, the ninth commandment is to say, okay, they're a believer who's deceived. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason I use that terminology is just to say, like, if my mindset is that they're deceived, but they're still a believer, I'm going to treat them differently than if I think of them as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Because largely that's the claim AD is making. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And... I mean, I, w- I would definitely push back on his positioning, although I would potentially agree with a lot of his criticisms. Yeah, because that, that article that Jamar Tisby wrote was straight up and down reckless. <laughs> I was just like, like, you know, for me, like, I don't like taking things at people's word. I'm not I'm not a bandwagon kind of guy like that. I'm right. Or as Jamaicans like to say, a follow body. That's not me. But when I read the article, I was just like, whoa. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was honestly I was just like, yo, this ninja fell off his bike. Yeah, he was talking straight. <laughs> he was talking reckless, and so I had to kind of take a step back and I was like, oh, maybe AD might be right. I don't know. It's 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 a crazy article. So you guys are gonna have to check it out for yourself and let me know what you think. Um, but that that's interesting. But I, I wanted to kind of nuance the aspect because you know we, we're throwing around these terms of of mercy and forgiveness, and we're not really putting a definition to it. So. Uh, when we use the term grace, it's a gift you don't deserve. And when we use the term mercy, it's withholding punishment one deserves. So in a sense, that's what kind of that's what makes forgiveness controversial. Um, you're withholding punishment one deserves. And sometimes you want to see somebody get what they deserve. We want to see Amber Geiger get what she deserves, right? Um, but when we saw her brother kind of withhold that even though she's going to jail, even though he 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 withheld uh, that that passion that we want to see uh, um his his righteous indignation the the wrath of man being poured out on her he didn't do that, and that kind of throws us for a loop because it's our natural um, desire to want to see um, justice met, but also people or get vengeance. yeah yeah vengeance yeah 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 vengeance met and and, and a person uh, get what they deserve so that's why you know this this is such a gospel issue and working through that thinking through because yes the, the the nuance is this you know brand offered forgiveness to her he said he said i forgive you but then he also offered the gospel so so right now for the for the context amber geiger has been forgiven by brand gene but as of right now I'm not sure if she's given her life to the Lord. She she is not forgiven by God. The wrath of God hangs over her as of today, unless she has repented uh, since that day. And so that judgment and that justice day, her day will come and it will be a perfect execution of justice 
on her. And Christians know that, and we have to trust the Lord uh, to, or yeah, to trust King Jesus to run the world the way he sees fit and execute judgment judgment the way he sees fit so that that was one of those aspects i think um we had to um that it's always good to bring up in conversation when um especially dealing with this with this with this uh case but let me ask you joel what do you want to leave the uh the listeners with what's your two cents uh i mean there's two thoughts you know one is the you know i think paul there's an uh, post by Paul Carter that that I can you know I'll, I'll put it in the show notes page. It's a Facebook post, um, but he 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 had two lines within it that I thought just like summarized the amazing part of this, which is you know he just says it looks like the gospel because well, I mean he obviously he he called her to repentance to Christ, but but his behavior was 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 so in line with the gospel and then he finished it in saying like they put me to shame and recognizing that you know the ability to forgive in this context like is what we're called to do meaning if it was you whose brother was killed and you're not able to say what this guy said god calls you to repentance because we're called to say what he said as much as it's probably one of the hardest things you can do when you're holding on to your vengeance. Um, um, but again, that's why the Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Um, so, I and the other thing that, you know, that I think resonated with me was another scripture, um, Galatians 1.8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you. Mm. He is to be accursed. And so, and the reason I say that is in light of, you know, the the people pulling away from the forgiveness, my, I'm, I'm, my inclination is to say, are they preaching a gospel plus? Right? Are they pre, are, are these people holding to gospel, something in addition to the gospel that that is essentially contradictory to the heart of the gospel and scripture and that's heresy um, adding to the gospel or taking away from it is heresy that's damn, right and that's damnable and and i bring it up to say we should be testing it to to ensure that that's not the case i'm not bringing it up to say 100 percent that it is the case but that we should be testing it to be whether it's the case um and and so, again, go back to the idea of like if somebody is deceived about what they're including in the gospel, you know, is a way to sh- how am I going to draw sh- uh, steel man their position? How am I going to do how give them grace in their position, even if I think they're wrong because they're preaching a gospel plus? Um, so yeah, I think I think that's you know my two cents. Um, probably one of the shortest two cents I've ever given, but I think it's pretty simple. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I loved it. I thought it was a gospel depiction and it, it was honestly heartbreaking to see people not, al- you know, to, to try to almost diminish it. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I What's would your s- two cents? Okay. Well, I think, well, one, what we can learn from Brand Jean is that he wanted his offender to know Christ more than he wanted retribution or repayment from his offender. So if you want retribution more than you want to see your offender come to Christ, then I think you have a problem and you don't know the Lord. Secondly, I want to quote from Daryl B. Harrison. Um, they released an episode on this issue, and they they went more in depth in addressing uh, Bishop ooh, Bishop Don Bishop Talbot, and it's and not Don Juan. Don man. Bishop, oh, sorry, man. Yo, sorry, the pimp cup. I can't get it out of my head. But yeah, so uh, well, actually, no. Talbot kind of moves like Bishop Don Juan. But anyways. 
So, <laughs> so he also talks about Jamar Tisby's article and he goes in depth about it. So, um, so check it out. Um, and, and that's why I didn't want this show to be to cover to kind of go over what what Daryl and uh, Virgil and those guys did. I just wanted to kind of go in a different direction. So, kind of get more content on the issue, more theological content on the issue. But um, the quote that stood out from his episode, which was like an hour and 46 minutes, the one thing that stood out from that episode was, he said this, only God is free to not be gracious. Hmm. Only God is free not to be gracious. Romans 9, 17 to 18. And that's basically saying that, you know, well, you know, receiving favor and forgiveness from God is something that God is free to do. And and that's why it's a mercy, because it's not deserved. Nobody deserves forgiveness, but everybody deserves justice, which is the wrath of God poured out on them. But what we see in, uh, like you said, in Colossians 3.13, because you've received forgiveness, um, you should show it. And we must actually, it says we must Show it, Colossians 3.13. And I say that to say that you can't give what you have not received, right? So if you're a recipient of the gospel, uh, which is the power of God coming onto you by the Holy Spirit to believe the gospel and to be forgiven, then you should be able to have that power to give to others. And that's what we see in uh, John chapter twenty. Verse 22 to 23, and Jesus, this is after the resurrection, and he comes to the disciples, and he, and it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And what he's talking about is the gospel, and that for the Christian listener, the Like at some point during this discussion of this controversial issue, it should come back to if you're talking to your unbeliever friends and they're not sure or your Christian friends who don't have sound theology. And you say, "Okay, well, look, how about this? Have you been forgiven by God? Because they don't understand what Brand's talking about. I'm like, well, let me ask you, you know, before a holy God who, 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 who is perfect and your sin before them, you know, right now, the very wrath of God abides on you, as the scriptures say. And you are in condemnation before God. You know, you have offended him. You have offended God. God is a king. And he commands you. He doesn't ask you. this. He's not asking you. He's commanding you to turn from your sins, believe in Jesus Christ and his uh, sacrifice for you so that you may receive eternal life. If you reject that, if you reject that forgiveness and trample underfoot the blood of his son and call it common, then that's on you. And that's why it's hard for them to kind of understand, well, what is that forgiveness? So it's important to make sure that, you know, we're preaching the gospel, we're offering the forgiveness of God. And if you're a recipient of that forgiveness, you should be able to do it. And that it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is like a good example of this is, God forbid, Tyra cheats on me, commits adultery. And, you know, everybody, you know, if you have a spouse or whatever, and everybody knows, you know, cheating is like the worst thing ever. Like that's grounds for divorce and breakup. And my response to that, when people ask me, would Tyra cheat on me? If Tyra cheated on me, what would I do? I would say I would leave. Of course, the Bible says don't leave, you know, you don't divorce. But I would leave. But then my other answer is that, but God, by the Holy Spirit and God's power, would keep me in the marriage. The power of God would give me the strength to forgive and to overcome and to restore my marriage. Darnell Samuels in my flesh, yo, I ain't ish. I don't have nothing in me. You feel me? Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not super bro. You feel me? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's not, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm super Christian and, you know, and sin bounces off of me. No, like, yo, I'm just like a regular person, right? But I also have the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I, the power of the Holy Spirit takes me, I can forgive Tyra. I can restore that marriage. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with both of them. You know, he had his brother killed, and that's what happened. The Holy Spirit fell on that young man. And he offers, he says, I don't even want you to go to jail. He's like, yo, I want the best for you. You know, can I hug you? You see what I'm saying? So so that kind of forgiveness and that kind of work is a power of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't forgiven somebody for their sins, 
towards you. You need to go before the Lord, see your sins in light of a holy God, get that forgiveness from God, and then go give that forgiveness and that freedom to somebody else. That's my two cents. I think uh, Preacher Darnell is coming out. Da, 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 da. Sirbarhanda. Bo, 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 bo. Antamabuta. What is it? Sirbarhanda, barabara, kia. Anyways. Um, Share, comment, give like, us a review on iTunes, yeah. please. Yeah, whatever your podcast catcher is give us a rating uh, especially if you're on itunes we need it we're desperate right now man <laughs> we need the ratings we need the support man so if you guys enjoy the episode you enjoy the content uh well get back to us also and you know shout out to klein solomon for giving us the idea to do this show giving us the charge to do that episode. shout out to primus optimus primus Thank you for uh, reaching out to us and telling us, yeah, you guys need to, you know, get on this and, and, and do this episode. So thank you for all our listeners and for our guys who support us um, and rolling with us. Thank you. Six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense?